is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. Today, producing from back in Connecticut, Bruce Baldwin, Sarah Abbott, Taylor Schwenk, I'm Buster Only. And guys, I'm working from a rest stop in Minnesota because I'm, I'm driving across the country with my dog for vacation. It's a little nutty, I got to tell you. Do you have regrets right now, Buster, as you sit in a rest stop in Minnesota? <laughs> you mean like maybe I should have told you but somebody else could host the show today or maybe push it back to tomorrow? That might have been smarter, but we had too much to talk about today, right? Yeah, yeah. I was more thinking like, do you regret your decision to drive across the country for vacation? No. But... <laughs> no, my dog, when my dog jumps in the water, uh, when we arrive at the lake where we're going to be after 30 five hours of driving that'll justify everything it's the okay. happiest creature on earth does that make sense yeah yeah you're you're dead you've you're an animal lover you're dedicated to your to your beasts and i i respect that dedication well i appreciate that sarah you would have voted for me to make this drive yes i mean i'm a road trip girl so i love a good road trip but bringing your dog is a whole other element so <laughs> That was not an endorsement. Skeptical. I thought you were going to say, yes, absolutely. Instead, you're like, that's kind of crazy is your tone. <laughs> kind of crazy to drive across the country with your dog. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Quinny's a star, so she can Quinny handle is a it. Star. There, there's no doubt about it. All right. Uh, Orioles brought this is the biggest story in sports right now. Orioles broadcaster Kevin Brown was removed for a reference to the Orioles past struggles versus the Tampa Bay Rays. He hasn't been broadcasting for about 10 days. Listen to what got him suspended. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017. The last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the chop this year after winning three of 18 the previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad race team. Now, we're going to be talking with Glenn Clark, the Baltimore radio host, about all of this. Uh, you're going to hear some voices from folks around baseball who are chiming in. The uh, announcer fraternity has come out in droves, turned out in droves for Kevin Brown, which has been pretty cool. The Orioles last night. Face the Astros, a great game early on. It looked like the Orioles were going to win again. Adley Rutschman did this in the, in the bottom of the second inning. Valdez sat and delivers. And Rutschman hits this well. It hits this deep to left center field. Alvarez is back on the warning track, and it's gone. A two-run home run for Adley Rutschman, and the Orioles have a 5 to nothing lead. Over that 398-foot marker in deep left center. So in the top of the ninth inning, as the Orioles were looking to close this out, the Astros had the bases loaded, Kyle Tucker at the plate, and this happened. 2-2 two -two again. And Tucker hits it in the air pretty deep to right field. That sends back McKenna at the wall looking up. See you later! Kyle Tucker gives the Astros a lead with a grand slam! 7-6, Houston. 100 miles per hour from Bautista, and more than that from Tucker to right field, and the Astros stun him. In the midst of this game, there were these chants about Kevin Brown. Three Kevin Brown! 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 
Here's Brandon Hyde, the Orioles manager, talking about his ejection from this game. I just so wanted something. The guy, for me, didn't make a call right away. And so, obviously, there was some confusion. I just went either get some help or something. Um, and I got ejected with my back turned. I didn't, was, that's what upset me. Um, I thought, he, I thought you know, we got the first call stands replayed. Nothing you can do about that. I thought that was a close play. That, that one didn't go our way either. Um, didn't make the call right away. Was asking for some sort of help because it looked like he was confused, and uh, I got thrown out. That was about the angriest I've, I've seen you. Did you feel like I just didn't think it was necessary to throw me out? Meanwhile, some really bad news for another team in the American League. Shane McClanahan is highly unlikely to pitch again in 2023, according to Rays manager Kevin Cash, who told reporters that one of the possibilities of this. Tommy John surgery for McClanahan. So for the Rays, you're taking a lot of the hits on their pitching staff already, and now they lose Shane McClanahan. They faced the Cardinals yesterday and got a big hit from Yandy Diaz. 1-0 from Palante. Swinging a ground ball past the mound, through in the center field, a base hit for Yandy Diaz. Josh Lowe scores. Yandy is four for four on his birthday, and on his birthday, he gives the Rays a 2-1 lead in the eighth inning. That from 620 WDAE. Meanwhile, the Red Sox continue their slow fade since the trade deadline. They face the Royals, who jumped out to an early lead. Two balls and a strike on Waters. The pitch. Fastball hit high in the air, deep to right field. Verdugo's back onto the track at the fence. It's out of here. Drew Waters hits a two-run homer at Fenway Park. And the Royals extend their lead. It's 3-0 in the top of the fourth inning. That from 610 KCSP. The Blue Jays are trying to catch the Orioles. And yesterday, great pitching matchup. Uh, you say Kikuchi was excellent for the Blue Jays, but you know what? The Guardians got one run. Here's what happened in the bottom of the second. The pitch, and it's swung on. Grounded over the bag at third. Fair ball down the left field line into the corner. Gonzalez hits third. He's being waved home. Laureano will stay at second with an RBI double. And it's 1-0 Cleveland as Gonzalez scored from first on a double over the bag at third and down into the left field corner in Laureano's first at bat as a Cleveland Guardian. How about that? That from our friend Tom Hamilton on WTAM 1100. The Cubs and the Mets were tied 2-all top of the eighth inning, and this happened. Here's the 3-2. Line drive, hit to deep left center field, way back. This could go. It's gone. The Palatine pounder comes through, and the Cubs take the lead. A solo shot the other way. Three to two, Cubs over the Mets. Here in the eighth, Mike Talkman with his seventh home run of the year. That from the Cubs radio network. The Reds trying to regain momentum after a recent slide faced the Marlins, but Jorge Soler went deep in the top of the seventh inning. Here's a swing and a drive. This is hit deep right center field. Friedel's on the run, out of the warning track, leaps. He can't get it. Jorge Soler has given the Marlins a 3-2 lead here in the top of the seventh inning. He's 3-3 three for three out of the leadoff spot here tonight. Since the last podcast, we got discipline rendered in that situation between the White Sox and the Guardians the other day. Tim Anderson was suspended six games. Jose Ramirez suspended three games. 
Terry Francona, Emmanuel Class A, third base coach Mark, Mike Sarbo of the Guardians were suspended one game each. And Chicago manager Pedro Grafal was suspended one game. In addition, Michael Kopech uh, was given a fine. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. Get great deals on the hottest tickets. Experience it live. The Mariners, who are playing great lately, face the Padres. And in the bottom of the sixth inning, this happened for Seattle. The 2-0. Swing and it's lifted out to center field. It sends Grisham back, back out of the warning track. And he can't make the catch. It's off his glove. Murphy pedals into third base. He's on his way home to score easily. Dylan Moore halfway to third. He's in standing. It's a run-scoring triple from Dylan Moore. It comes with two outs in the bottom of the sixth inning. The Mariners add on. They lead the Padres 2 to nothing. That from Seattle Sports, 7, 10 a.m. Now, there was an interesting play with Julio Rodriguez where he went back to the fence, and for a moment, you couldn't tell exactly what happened. Well, he caught the ball, and you could tell from his grin. Tatis, Soto, and Machado against Logan Gilbert, second time through. One pitch, Fernando hits it in the air to center field. Rodriguez backing up. He's onto the warning track. He's at the wall. Leaps up. Did he catch it? Oh, my goodness. Nobody knows. Yes, he did. Wow, wow, wow. He held the ball in his glove. Fernando was all the way to second base in his home run trot. And then Rodriguez opened up the glove. Look what I found. What a catch. Trey Turner, who last week played a terrible game, and then he got a standing ovation from Phillies fans after he owned up to it, uh, put 12 digital billboards with the words, thank you, Philly. Sarah, you as a lifelong Phillies fan, how about this love affair between Trey Turner and the Phillies fans? I love it. I get it. Trey, is he's the king of my heart as a Phillies fan and lifelong. So go Phillies. And, and impressive. You know, <laughs> absolutely impressive that they've done this. We're going to be talking about that uh, coming up here with Jesse Rogers. The Yankees placed left-hander Carlos Rodon on the injury list with a left hamstring strain. Who knows if he's going to be able to contribute to the team moving forward. The Dodgers win yesterday with help from Freddie Freeman. Now the pitch, and Freddie cues one inside the third. That's a fair ball. Murphy's going to run around third. He will score easily. Freddie racing for second. He is safe with a pop-up slide. It is three to nothing on a run-scoring double for Freddie Freeman, who's doing the Freddie out at second base. His 41st double and his 81st run batted in. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, it is conference preview season. The College Game Day podcast is rolling through conferences right now. I think we're going to do the ACC as of Thursday. That's going to be available on YouTube and wherever you're watching this podcast right now. That's uh, College Game Day, Reese Davis and Pete Thamel, good friends of ours. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. 
Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com Buster. Just go to Indeed.com Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, news of Kevin Brown's suspension drew broad condemnation across the sports landscape with a lot of his announcing peers weighing in and ripping the Orioles like Mad Dog Russo. That, I mean, that is so bad. I, I don't even know how to comment. You're, who would want to be a play-by-play guy of the Orioles? But the idea that I got John Angelos, who has done absolutely diddly in his career as an owner. Let's call it like we see it. Now, they're fun now, but they tank for years. Diddly. And this guy is going to demote this Kevin Brown? You got to be kidding me. That is a disgrace that what you're doing. That is completely, utterly wrong. And it's shameful. He should be embarrassed, embarrassed that he did that. Here's Mets announcer Gary Cohen on that controversy. Let me just say one thing to Baltimore Orioles management. You draped yourself in humiliation when you fired John Miller, and you're doing it again. And if you don't want Kevin Brown, there are 29 other teams who do. It's a horrendous decision by the Orioles. I don't know what they were thinking, but... They've gotten exactly the reaction that they deserve. And it's just a shame because the Orioles are playing so well, and now they've diverted attention from that. Here's White Sox broadcaster and friend of the podcast, Jason Benetti. They were 6-7 and seven against the Orioles this year, so they lost seven times, but they did beat Baltimore six times, which I hope I don't get suspended by the Orioles for saying that. And Nessun's Dave O'Brien and Kevin Euclid talked about this. There's a story that the Orioles have suspended their outstanding television play-by-play man, Kevin Brown, indefinitely for going on the air and talking about how tough a time the Orioles had had winning down at Tropicana Field over the years. And somebody in the front office for the Orioles didn't like that. So they suspended the announcer. It was ridiculous. He's stating the facts. I mean, they haven't won there. And... They got a great team, and hopefully they break it. Somebody didn't like the facts very much, and that's a fiasco that that's allowed to happen. And I think every announcer in the league feels the same way. Every broadcaster in your position and in mine, you thought that was an absolute joke. I thought it was a joke initially when I read it. Yeah. Well, I thought you said something really bad. 
No, he did not. <laughs> well, depending on who's listening in the front office of the Baltimore Orioles. And there were many, many others. Glenn Clark is a veteran of the Baltimore radio scene. Uh, you can hear him on Glenn Clark Radio streaming daily. And Glenn, as I bring you in, I will tell you that when I suggested to Taylor to get you on, you know, this is after you and I had a conversation last week. He was so excited. Taylor was so fired up that uh, that you were coming on. You've got a big fan in Taylor. Well, Taylor's awesome. Uh, he's a superstar in this business. And Buster, I really appreciate it. I I I actually wondered when my producer reached out to you last week, and you've been good to me for years, and I've always appreciated it, but I wondered if you would read Baltimore and say, no, nah, I think I'm good. I think I'm going to pass on all that. But uh, you were kind enough to take the time, and the least I could do is turn around and hang out with you. Well, uh, well, I appreciate it. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a complicated relationship with Orioles fans, which I don't, as Taylor and I have talked about in the podcast, I don't quite understand. Taylor, you want to chime in here? Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure to have Coach G on. He is a veteran oh. of the uh, the guy hot talks uh, radio that doesn't really exist anymore. But uh, you know, Coach G's been around for a while. I, Coach G, if I recall correctly, you've also driven across the country with haste, <laughs> um, possibly yeah. from Arizona to Baltimore and back again. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I I think I've done that drive in in thirty six hours from Baltimore to Arizona. I. I took a job, uh, as, ta as Taylor points out, another life that called me Coach G, and I was doing radio on the ill-fated Ill free FM format in Phoenix, which was uh, CBS's idea for replacing Howard Stern, and I uh, worked with some guys, uh, Chad and Oscar, Big O and Dukes, and it was a I was in my 20s, I was a young man, it was everything I could ask for in life, and when they said, get in the car, drive out to Phoenix, I said, I'll be there tomorrow. Uh, I was so excited about going and doing it. So I know a thing or two about, uh, and I've thrown dogs in the car and driven them across the country too before Buster. So I know a thing or two about that. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what though, you go Baltimore to Phoenix in 36 hours. That, that is impressive. That is Man. impressive. You know, if you got a job as a truck driver waiting for you with that, uh, yeah, with that, <laughs> with that sort of track record. All right. So we've set up, uh, we set up, uh, Lee coming into your segment, we set up everything going on with Kevin Brown. Yeah. Tell me sort of what their general reaction has been in Baltimore to all this. And, and had you heard some hints of this, uh, cause Taylor mentioned to me, he texted me early on Monday morning and said, there's all this scuttlebutt about, uh, you know, people asking the question, why was Kevin Brown off air? Yeah, there were a lot of people asking that question and nobody was giving definitive answers. And it wasn't something where I had heard something that felt like I needed to do any reporting about it. Right. It, it more felt like at some point I'll check in with Kevin, just make sure everything's cool. But it's only been a week and a half. Like, you know, these things could happen. Might have had a, a wedding to go to, something like that. I'm not all too worried about it at the moment. All of a sudden, uh, Matt Jurgensen, who's a great guy, I interact with plenty um, has hosted some podcasts, things like that around this area, post this thing on Twitter on Monday morning about this issue of something he said during the Tampa series. And it was kind of so bizarre that I, I thought nothing of it, right? Not to dismiss Matt, who's a great guy, but it was just like, this is weird. I was doing my show at that point. Before I had a chance to even react to it, I had two different team sources reach out to me. I didn't ask them anything. Two different team sources reach out to me and say, hey, did you see this thing that's going around this morning? We want you to know it's true. We want you to know it's 100% accurate. And it was 
it floored me. It was bizarre so much that I still didn't want to talk about it because I said, there's got to be something more here. There has to be something more to the story. I've got to be missing something because this is insane. So I spent, you know, the next five, six hours un- not wanting to comment on it, trying to be as fair as I possibly can to see if there was anything more to the story. And I found little things, maybe there were some other things that had been said in the past that they didn't like, but none that were in any way egregious and equally as innocuous as the story of what he said in Tampa. And I just couldn't wrap my brain around why this would be something that this organization would want to find themselves fighting with in the midst of obviously the most magical season they've had in a decade. And um, we are all, and I think everybody has seen what happened at the game last night with the free Kevin Brown chance. And I, this city, you know, Kevin has only been here for a few years, but stepped into a tough spot replacing Gary Thorne, um, who was, you know, an elder statesman of baseball broadcasting and someone that we really liked here. And Kevin has moved in seamlessly. He and Ben McDonald have created a relationship that translates to really good television. And it's extraordinarily enjoyable to spend your evenings with them when you're not at the ballpark. And this city also is Buster, you know, the history between this family and the ownership group of the Baltimore Orioles. It it peels back the memories of John Miller and it peels back the memories of missteps uh, over and over again. And so it has been overwhelming over the last 36 hours, the response to the news that Kevin Brown had allegedly, although refutedly, been suspended. All right. So I covered the Orioles. Uh, I was covering the Orioles for the Baltimore Sun when the John Miller thing happened. So as soon as I was like, oh, boy, here we go again. And I thought the fan reaction and the outpouring, uh, the outpouring of broadcasters has been about Kevin Brown. I thought the outpouring of the fans at Camden Yards last night was 40, 50 percent Kevin Brown and 40, 50 percent or 60 percent Angelo's family. What do you think? Um, I think that probably I probably those numbers check out somewhere in that range. There is absolutely a factor of both. I, I really do think that Kevin Brown is very popular here. His first season in Baltimore, I don't know if the reaction would have been anything like this, but he has become a very popular figure as this team got good a year ago. More and more people are watching. Even when the attendance was down, even when the team was bad, we would see numbers all the time that the TV ratings locally were as as good as they were in a lot of major markets. I think there's a lot of Kevin Brown love and support here and the absurdity of this, right? It'd be one thing if Kevin Brown actually said something that was deserving of any sort of backlash, the absurdity of it adds to it. But yes, 100%, it's a reminder and everything is being thrown in on the table. Hey, there still hasn't been a lease signed to make sure that the Orioles stay. Nobody, there's no real realistic world. You and I have talked before, Buster. The Orioles are not moving to Nashville. That's not something that's happening, but it's out there. And without a lease being signed, it's consternation. And there are fans that are concerned about it. So we're just throwing everything on the table. It's the sins of the father. It's the awkwardness between um, John Angelos and Dan Connolly, who was then writing for The Athletic, uh, going back to Martin Luther King Day and this, this bizarre exchange. It's him saying, I'll happily open my books for you, and then criticizing anyone who would suggest that they open their books after he said it. It's a lot of things that are all being lumped in at once that are just, uh, un, as, as a few people have said, such wildly unforced errors. So many things that did not need to occur. Um, and the ironic part being that some of what I've heard is that part of the reason why 
John Angelos is sensitive to things being said on the broadcast is because he doesn't want to be connected to his father. He doesn't want to be seen <laughs> that the, the current Orioles are the same as those Orioles. He wants there to be, there's a John Angelos, there's a Peter Angelos. And yet here we are and it, it, it ain't working obviously. Well, and I can tell you this again, as someone who covered that whole thing and was speaking with Peter just about every day during that year, uh, Peter was bright enough to wait until the end of the year before he essentially let John Miller go for John to to get into this in the middle of this incredible season for the Orioles is mind-numbingly dumb. Like it makes no sense to me why he would pick this fight now and get uh, you know, least of all over those words that uh, you know, that Kevin said. Everyone is still trying to figure out what exactly he said that would have led John to uh, to suspend him. So going forward, I tweeted about this the other day. Uh, I, where I gave a poll, what will the Orioles do next? What will Orioles management do next in this situation? A, will there be a mea culpa? And you and I know that's not going to be the case. B, will there be, oh, it was just a misunderstanding slash maybe misrepresentation of what happened? Or C, will they just pretend that none of it ever happened and then bring them back? Which do you think? Uh, I mean, I think the most likely scenario is C, of course. I yeah. Look, I, I do think, and Kevin is a wonderful person. He's a really good guy. But if I'm yeah. Kevin Brown, I, I, this is awkward for me now, right? Like, I, I don't no, know. No, it's not. It's the greatest leverage ever. Well, that, okay, like, he, fine. Like he, he, he should, his agent should call the Orioles and say, yeah, he's not coming back on Friday unless you give him an extension and you give him language that protects him from a bunch of crap like this. And- if if the Orioles say no, they say, OK, well, you know, good luck to you. And that's and OK, so I hear everything you just said, Buster, and I think that that would be what I would do if I were his agent as well. But if the Orioles do say that um, I, this is the disappointing part for me is that I know it's not it's non zero that Kevin doesn't come back, that Kevin it, it's not reparable uh, between these parties. Now, I hope that's not the case. And of course, reportedly Kevin is going to return on Friday and I have not spoken. I, I he's overwhelmed at the moment and I'm kind of trying to give some distance there and leave it alone and not add one more thing to his plate. Um, but I, if I were him, I would want to make sure I would want to know that all things of those things were in place. I wouldn't want to just come back and be, be nervous and apprehensive about anything that I might say at that point. So, right. I think that's the awkward part about all of this, that like I it, I definitely believe the fact that they've said nothing so far, despite the overwhelming national backlash. I mean, it's not just the sports community. It's, you know, a, a national news story that I mean, CNN is doing segments about this. <laughs> this is this is overwhelming. And if you know anything about um, the, the family politics, I, that's something that they probably are concerned about. Um, I I can't fathom them not. And the one thing I kept saying yesterday is just fix this. Just do it. Fix it. Fix it. I'll give you a buster. A year ago, uh, Adam Jones called into my radio show on 105.7 The Fan and told everyone kind of out of the blue. By the way, I have not been invited back to the anniversary celebration of Camden Yards. I have not had any contact with the Orioles since I left. And the city melted down. I mean, there was 24 hours of... What are they, again, same old stuff, same old panic. And my point, and I wrote a column about it, I said, just fix it. This is not hard. 
Like no, acknowledge it's not hard. And and to their credit, that one they did, right? Like they fixed it. They Adam Jones has been back in the last couple of weeks and he's created this kind of informal relationship with the Orioles. And that's been a very good thing. And they deserve credit for fixing a problem. And the point that I made is all you got to do is fix this one. It, it, whatever you thought you were doing, as crazy as we all think it is, you have the opportunity to acknowledge, hey, we we screwed up here. We screwed up. This was not worth this. We did the wrong thing. You have the opportunity to do it. It just requires you to actually do that. To your point, knowing what we know about the history, it feels like that's not going to happen. But that is absolutely on the table, a la what happened with Adam Jones a year ago, for someone to step in and say, let's do everything in our power to try to fix this because we don't need this. We don't. I, I believe there was an entire country of people and it's unfair to the players on this team. It's unfair to Felix Batista, but I believe there were a lot of people around the country who last night were watching the game on TBS, saw what happened to the Orioles in the ninth inning and said, they deserve it. They that's that's they deserve that type of comeuppance. And that's unfair to this group of Holy. players who have been awesome, uh, incredible, and such a joy to watch for everyone in this city. But I understand the feeling because if I were following this story from, you know, if it was Seattle, I would feel the exact same way. They deserve an amount of comeuppance. Yeah, you're right. You hope they fix it and you hope they fix it in a way where, uh, you know, the, the Orioles are just pretending that, that that it didn't happen, right? That they everyone's just going to ignore it, move forward, that there'll be something, some sort of assurance for Kevin then he can glean out of this that this thing would not happen again. All right, it doesn't seem fair uh, to actually have you on here and not ask you about this year's team and how they're performing. It's separate from all of this. Uh, you know, it, when we were, had him on Sunday Night Baseball a couple weeks ago, it was so much fun to be around them. And, and I think it was Ben McDonald who said to me, like, these guys, it, it, it's almost like they're, and I, he didn't use these words, but it's almost like they're a team in Williamsport, like a little league team that's just having mm. fun. And they're terrifically yep. talented and they're not worried and they're unaffected by contract stuff, which at some point is coming unless ownership starts to spend and contract stuff and, and disputes and all that. They're just playing great baseball. Uh, Buster, I'll add to it. I've gotten to know a lot of the families a lot. You know, I think everybody saw uh, Randy Rutschman, Adley's dad, who threw to him at yeah. the home run derby. I've gotten to know him. I've gotten to know Colton Kowser's dad. I've gotten to know a lot of these families really well. And the families are close with each other. And when you bring up like that comparison to a little league team, I would compare it to almost like a college team. Like these, they, they get together, these, these parents, these families, because these guys are that close. Um, I think you guys talked about on the Sunday night broadcast, Cal Gibson told me, he's like, I've done a lot of things in baseball. I've never been around a situation as fun as what I walked into in Baltimore. And I get it. You could be dismissive and say, hey, the team that you're on, you're always going to say nice things about. But it was extraordinarily genuine what Kyle Gibson was talking about. Um, I've, this is it's a joy to watch this team. It's a joy to talk about this team from a baseball standpoint, every time this season that we felt like in, in June, they had a stretch, they were playing 500 baseball. And you started to sort of say to yourself, maybe this is the kind of cleat of reality and they don't really have enough pitching. And then all of a sudden Kyle Bradish for a little while has the best stuff plus in baseball for the better span of two months. And then, you know, Grayson Rodriguez looks like the guy that everybody has been raving about for some time. They have answered the bell every time throughout the course of the season this one last night will be a difficult one right they have not had a, a loss as crutching as what happened on tuesday night but 
you know, they have had other stretches where they have been tested and they have aced it with flying colors. I, I still think it's extraordinary to believe that this team could win a world series, given the pitching limits, given that all of these guys, except for Flaherty and Gibson are at their career highs and in innings pitched now at this point in the season. And you're going to have to map out a way to keep all of them fresh enough to have hopefully John means who's going to make a rehab start this week can help out with that. But that seems like you're asking a lot for someone who's missed more than a year at this point. I think it's extraordinary when you look at the Astros and the Rangers, but I don't know. Every time I thought that this team was going to come back a little bit, all they've done is turn around and played really good baseball. So um, from a, from a baseball standpoint, uh, it has been as joyous and as pleasant and in town, you know, I do it. I'm supposed to talk about the, I, I have not been out to training camp for the Baltimore Ravens once this summer, because I can't fathom talking about something so irrelevant at the moment while there's such a magical thing happening from a baseball standpoint. It's it's why we do this. Yeah, and all the teams that are theoretically competing against the Orioles in the postseason are just getting devastated by injuries. You know, the right. Rays, McClanahan, McClanahan Bichette going down with the Jays. We'll see how he is going forward. Josh Young, the shortstop for the for the Rangers. Uh, you know, we go on and on and on about all the other teams and and the hits they're taking. So, you know, we'll see how far the Orioles go. And I, I just processed something you said to me that, uh, you know, John Angelos wants to distinguish himself from his father. I would give him this advice if he asked me, you know, having known his father really well, uh, if he wants to distinguish himself from his, himself from his father, then take a page out of what Trey Turner did in Philadelphia last week and come out and say, you know what? I blew that. I handled hmm. that terribly. And I am thin-skinned and I absolutely, messed it up and I'm so sorry I took something away from the players uh, and the team and that's all on me and completely own it and if he wants to you know get the best possible result out of all this that would be the way to go but I also have no expectation that would happen <laughs> understandable to, but to your point it would be an incredible way to distinguish himself to say this is the way that we're going to do things now moving forward and I think it would go a very long way. I think the response to that in this city would be remarkable. It would be now, would it, would it prove anything moving forward? You would still have to follow no. that up with actions and they'd still have to, uh, yeah. to your point, sign players and things like that, but it would go a long way to ease the nerves, calm uh, this extraordinary situation that they're dealing with. And I too would encourage it and, I, I'm I'm, tr I'm trying to walk the line of I, I still this is an incredible baseball team. I don't want to trash them in any way. It's unfair. Um, at the same time, this is unjustifiable. This is indefensible. This is uh, inconceivable that this is a situation that that we're dealing with in in this city. It, it's just it's mind numbing almost. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Glenn, and talking about it. Hey, Buster, really appreciate you asking me. And uh, and thank you to Taylor as well. And you, he's absolutely a star in this business. And uh, Taylor, find me a job one day. Find me. A, let, let me let me work with you one day in the future. All right. You got it, Glenn. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. 
Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Jesse Rogers covers baseball for ESPN. Jesse, how you doing on this Wednesday? Doing good, doing good. I spent about five days in New York, so that was an interesting trip to say the least, Buster, but I'm back home in Chicago doing well this morning. All right. One of the stories you did, Keenan uh, Middleton, a reliever for the White Sox, basically came out, trashed the culture of the White Sox, talked about players sleeping during meetings, players skipping meetings. Uh, I'm curious, you know, as a reporter, I'm always interested in the backstory. How did this conversation develop? Because these tend to be things that are said over a long period of time. Yeah, this is this is kind of interesting. Um, They played a Friday series. I'm sorry, a weekend series against the Astros at home. And I had been talking to Keenan a little bit on Friday and Saturday about this stuff, kind of just off mic, just going back and forth, maybe prepping it for a story down the road after the season ended. It wasn't supposed to be as immediate as became. Well, another young reporter from the New York Daily News came over to him on Sunday after the game, post-game. This is getaway day. They're, they're leaving, ironically, for Chicago to play the White Sox. And the reporter there just simply was asking about the Yankees' culture. And maybe the word culture triggered him because as soon as he asked him, what do you think about the Yankees and the culture over here, he just immediately unleashed on the White Sox and their culture. So I think this is something that Keenan just – Wanted to get off his chest, and he did it on the record. It was just myself and, and the New York Daily News there. And then as I was, we were wrapping up with him, I said, you know, this is going to make some big headlines, just so you know that. You're going back to Chicago. And he just kind of waved me off, and he said, you know what? It needs to get out there. And that has really been the theme buster since the story posted. I've talked to several um, White Sox players, former players, and a current one, and they all basically said, not these words exactly, but I'm saying it. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. They they wanted this to get out there. And, you know, not a lot of guys are going to put their names to it. But many of them have told me um, off the record, they're happy that Keenan did it. It needs to get out there. That's the only way change will happen. What did you make of the response of Rick Hahn, the White Sox general manager, uh, Pedro Grafal, their first year manager, who referenced uh in their eyes and you know i don't know the details i haven't spoken directly with each of those two essentially they made it sound like that hey pedro that uh the keenan didn't say anything when he was here and he told us that he didn't feel like he handled his business before he left what'd you make well, think, of all that okay well a couple of things first of all two things can be true maybe keenan did screw up and he apologized for it rick yep. said it was a it was a one-off but that also might underscore the fact that the culture allowed 
for screw ups, <laughs> you know, but it was, it, I, I say good on him for apologizing. But the bigger thing is both Pedro and Rick very publicly and very openly admitted to the dysfunction, admitted to the poor culture the other day. So if that's the case, then um, how do you get to dysfunction? Well, dysfunctional moments lead you to a, a culture like a negative culture like Keenan um, portrayed. So I think the details we can they can argue a little bit here and there. But essentially what Keenan said is right. Lance Lynn backed it up. Other players, to me, privately have backed it up. So I, I think it was a good thing because Pedro and Rick didn't need to talk cryptically about it, which they have in the past. They were open. They were honest. Our culture stunk. We need to change it. All right. Who's responsible in your eyes as they move forward for changing it? Well, you know, as Keenan said in the article, stuff rolls downhill and this certainly is more than just a single player or two. This starts at the top, and they need to rethink how, how they do their business. Um, the phrase due diligence comes to mind, and that encompasses everything. Player acquisition, development, all the details that are needed to be an elite elite team. Can't just be prospect rankings. Oh, let's just put them all on the field and see what happens. So I I mean, I'd like to say the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, but Jerry is a lot less hands-on these days. So it really does fall at the, at the feet of Kenny Williams, the president. Um, there seems to be some debate whether Rick Hahn will be back based on the things he said. Only two people know that, maybe three, meaning Jerry Reinsdorf, Kenny Williams, and Rick himself. Maybe that decision hasn't been made. I don't know. Uh, but it really has to start somewhere at the top, not just moving out a player or two all right you know tim anderson what was your response to what happened in that uh that fight and the resulting suspensions yeah well i just think that fight was the culmination of a, a of a terrible terrible year for tim anderson this i can't get inside his head so we're just speculating but the way he threw down the way he's played all year the personal problems which his family has discussed on social media and he's discussed a little bit in interviews. It, it, it's, and this is an example of the poor culture there. Like he, he's a player going through a lot of things. He could use a nurturing culture. When was Tim Anderson at his best this season, Buster? When he played for Team USA, when there was an incredible uh, base of leaders around him that could, that could handle uh, their business and bring them along if needed. The White Sox don't have that. So his season in that moment last Saturday in Cleveland is a great example of the lack of culture there and the idea that some guys are leaders, some guys need leaders. He's a guy that needs leaders. And the Sox, at the, especially at the position player level, didn't have it. And so I feel like Saturday was a culmination of just a terrible, terrible year for him coming out in a very public and negative way. Uh, scale of one to 10, how big of a deal is this Shane McClanahan injury for the Rays? Because I got it as a 10 and a half. I, I'm right there with you. There's only so much a team can, can deal with. And they've already given back that lead they had. And now they've fallen out of, out of first place and all that stuff. Uh, starting pitching is still the most important part of the baseball team. And it's, they're, they're, it's just been used up for them. I, I'm with you. It's right there at the top. Uh, they had this halo around their head for the first couple months. Well, that's, that's off. That's off. That's, that's gone to Baltimore and Atlanta and some other teams now. 
uh, you can navigate around a, a shaky bullpen sometimes, certainly around an offense. You can't navigate around starting pitching that's not there anymore. No. Uh, the one thing I would say about the Rays, and, and look, they've had so many pitching injuries this year. It's a, it's a hor- horrific situation they have. But if you look at all the teams in the American League wildcard race, what a mess. <laughs> or you've got, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays just lost Bo Bichette, who's their best player. Uh, the Yankees, you know, Rodon goes on the injured list. Uh, you know, Aaron Judge is playing at less than 100%. Uh, you know, the Texas Rangers just lost Josh Young after losing Jacob deGrom. Like, they've had all kinds of issues. So it does feel like a battle of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, I mean, for lack of a better way to describe it, kind of a war of attrition with these wild card contenders, which is why I think Seattle is so dangerous. Great point. I was going to say that the window just opened wide for Seattle. They do. I feel like they do this every year, Buster. They kind of they're okay for a while, and then they go on their run. Maybe this is Scott Service's you know specialty, kind of navigating some middling performances, but keeping the group together. J. Rod's finally performing. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I still think the American League playoffs are going to be fascinating. In fact, both leagues are going to be fascinating outside of Atlanta, of course, in the National League. Like, who's the second best team in the NL? Probably the Dodgers, but. In general, that's going to be interesting playoffs. And because of what you said, the American League becomes interesting behind the top couple teams. I mean, this this race between Texas and Houston is going to be fascinating. And if they meet in the playoffs, it's going to be fascinating. I was around Houston all week in Buster. And and I I think you tell me, I think this stems from the scandal. Ever since that, ever since then, they have just been a mission-oriented team. They accomplished it again last year to, to, to uh, silence the naysayers, but I think they're on the same kind of mission. I went in that locker room and I asked about Verlander's first day back. And I thought I would hear, you know, good natured ribbing stories, you know, busting each other and all that stuff. Verlander walked in there and he said, let's do this again, guys. It, it's a mission oriented team. And I think Dusty's done a great job um, in, in their supposed hangover year, right? You know, you got to navigate those first few months. Tons of injuries expected after winning a World Series. And I think it's fascinating. While Bruce Bochy just hand him the manager of the year now, just hand it to him. I know they spent a lot of money, but it's tough to navigate 162. You've had six straight losing seasons, and they're on another huge streak now. I, I, I love this playoff format. I think October is going to be fascinating in both leagues. Yeah, and with the Astros, we saw them uh, the first Sunday night after the All-Star break, and I walked away from that like, these guys are absolutely convinced they're going to figure it out. And they do remind me, as I said uh, the other day, of those Yankee teams that I covered in the late 90s where they get to the postseason enough and they play in the World Series enough and they win two in 2017 and 2022. And there's an assumption among that group they're going to find a way. Like, yep, we got it. Now it's in our sights. We have the first team, uh, for a chance to be the first team since the 98-2000 Yankees go back-to-back and we're going to figure it out. Uh, On the flip side, I will ask you about our friend Aaron Boone, uh, you know, he gets ejected the other night uh, with his uh, mimicking of, of Laz Diaz, a home plate umpire with a strike three call. And I, I can speak firsthand. There's no better mimic in baseball than Aaron Boone. Uh, when he sees me, he'll give me my walk, which is, you know, <laughs> unusual. And, and it makes me laugh. He, he, he is phenomenal at that. If he called me and asked me, you know, what did I think the other day? I'd be like, Booney, you got to dial it back. Like you got to. And it's funny because Laz Diaz, as you know, is one of the umpires actually would laugh at this. 
Like mm. he's actually someone with a sense of humor. Eduardo Perez, our colleague, was texting him, you know, pictures <laughs> of it like Booney got you in terms of that strike three <laughs> call. But at some point, I think that once it goes from being uh, evolves from advocating, merely advocating for your team to some performance art, I think that's when he's got to pull it back. What do you yeah, think? I, yeah, I, I, don't quote me on this stat, but uh, our, our people in, in Bristol um, threw this out there when he got ejected. Uh, isn't it like Dusty Baker's been ejected six times in 26 years and he's been ejected 26 times in five years? Something crazy like that. Um, yeah. Look, umpires are humans. They have long memories. I do think if you just drill it down to the last couple of years, Buster, the Yankees have kind of been behind the eight ball. They've just been trying to grind and fight and find a way. And it's it, to me, it's not a coincidence that his most dramatic moments have been the last couple of years. I feel like, you know, my my point is he's trying to fire up his team. He's trying to fire. up. I mean, that pitch was a strike, the one that he got called out on. Now, there were other ones that were bad. I just think he's trying anything to 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 fire that team up. It, you know, I talked to him in New York. The loss of Rizzo just even an OK Rizzo is still a left handed bat. And they just have no balance in that lineup. Um, and they didn't have it with him in the lineup because he was struggling. It's just, I think he's just searching. And the, and I think you go back a couple of years now because it's a flawed team. And if you're flawed, you find other ways to, 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 to get to the guys. And I think this is just one of his ways, but I don't disagree with you. It's just too many times and the umpires have long memories. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Laz will be one of those Laz, but I do think that in the end that there, you don't want to be in a situation where you become part of the conversation in the umpiring room. Like, oh, great. Yeah. Now we got yeah. Aaron Boone out here who's not only going to, you know, try to make a case for his guys, but he's also going to embarrass us, which yeah, is, I think, I think right. the tipping point um, with all this stuff. So we'll uh, we'll see if Booney makes an adjustment there. All right, Jesse, great to talk with you as always. You got it, Buster. Have a good day. Bleacher Tweets. Already, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. First up, we have our pal Andrew Campbell at Real Cam Drew. He writes, And holy cow, Buster, I still hate the Astros with every fiber of my soul. But wow, turning on a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, down three runs in the ninth on the road is absolutely insane. By the way, Aaron Judge also took Bautista deep to tie the game in the ninth in May. So not the first time. Skepticism from uh, Camp Drew over here with uh, Felix Bautista. Yeah, well, we'll see. I think Batista is pretty good. Uh, I would say this. I think this is more about the Astros than the Orioles yesterday. Kyle Tucker is developing into a superstar. He's awesome. And I think there's a chance I'm working on this, Taylor. I haven't told you about it. We might have him on the show soon. Ooh, I'd love that. I love watching him play. He's He really yep. has exploded this season. P.K. Steinberg's up next. If baseball did a hard knocks-like thing, which team would you most want to see profiled? Hmm. Well, the most, uh, I think the most fun would be to see the Atlanta Braves profiled because you'd have a lot of Ron Washington. You've had a lot of Ozzy Albies, you know, great people who have a lot of fun. Uh, Eric Young, their first base coach. Austin Riley is a, is a great character. They got a lot of guys. If you're just looking purely for tension, I'd go San Diego Padres. I was thinking the same thing. And on the flip side of the coin, uh, the Dodgers exploring the BFF, the the you know the bromance between Freddie and Mookie also. Yeah, we covered fun. that though the other day. I know, we, but we I, covered that. I'd like good. to see it played out in long form television. You know, that would be fun okay. too. Okay, <laughs> okay. 
Uh, Tom Striegel writes in, seems like a good check time to check in with Buster to let him know how the Nats are doing. Uh, his forgotten franchise, Buster infamously predicted the Nats would win less than 60 games this year. They are currently on pace to win more than 70, and with their four-game win streak and sweep of the Reds this weekend, they are the hottest team in the NL. Does he agree that this rebuild is way ahead of schedule? Tom. Yeah. Uh, well, they're better than I thought they were. You know, they're winning more games. So I would agree with that. I would also say I would not hold a parade for a team that's on pace to win just more than 70 games. Settle down, Tom. Don Irvine also, he's writing in. That's nah, fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's all fun. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Uh, Don related that question. He asks, which team will finish last in the NL East, the Mets or the Nats? Woo. Uh, I'm going to say the Mets. Wow. There I'm you gonna go. say the Mets. I think there the Mets go. are I think the Mets are all about next season now. Did Tom Tom a solid there? Shows that you guys are friends. AA Ron, Aaron plays, MLB rights, and the Red Sox are now twenty-two and four all time in their Yellow City Connects jerseys with the latest win capped off with a walk-off grand slam by utility infielder claimed off waivers from the A's this year. Rebrand to the Yellow Sox to save the season. I don't understand why they're not in those uniforms every day. Like I'm riding, I'm not superstitious, but at some point the numbers are the numbers right. and you just keep playing in those uniforms. Especially with the season sliding a little bit, like desperate times call for desperate measures. Yes. I think. Jeremy Termini writes in with the DFA of Debbie Garcia, the Yankees failure with their prospects continues to grow. When will ownership actually demand Cashman do something to fix this? Well, if they don't make the playoffs, it is going to be interesting to see the response of Hal Steinbrenner. Historically, he's demonstrated patience. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if they'll take the same approach or if he's going to feel like he's got to do more than that. Last one for today, Thomas Kennedy. Game 686. Lots of good baseball fights from the past were brought up, but no mention of Bud Harrelson taking on Pete Rose. So here's the deal. Bud Harrelson was my favorite player growing up. Okay. It was not a fond memory for me. I wore three all through Little League and high school uh, because of Bud Harrelson's number. And that, to me, wasn't really a great fight, mm. you know? I mean, like a brawl. He basically, they kind of, like, threw a punch, and then Rhodes grabbed him, and he went to the ground. And, and then Pedro Barbone ripped up a, a Mets cap that uh, he picked up and put on his head. And when he realized he had the wrong cap on, he tore it apart with his teeth. That was the best part of that fight. That's impressive. I feel like you're really putting your teeth at risk there, trying to to rip a baseball hat with it. I I wouldn't I wouldn't dabble. Exactly. <laughs> All right, that's it for Bleacher Tweets, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. Free Kevin Brown. Uh, a lot of people asked me to speak on it. Everyone said everything. Coach G, all the thoughts. He he nailed it all. So I won't belabor the point because I'm sure Kevin is he's got leverage, but I'm sure it's it's probably a little embarrassing at this point, you know. Him being yeah, about but do you agree with me? Like if John Angelos actually wants to distinguish himself. My God, can you imagine that? If he were to go, yep, I blew it. I was thin-skinned. I screwed up. It's all my fault. Kevin's a terrific announcer. We, we, I just want to take this moment to give him a three-year contract. What do you think? Oh, yeah. It'd be super easy. He could do a lot of easy things. He could he could figure out the lease situation with Camden Yards. I mean, that that's Woo! a way bigger deal than this Kevin Brown stuff. I mean, that's that's a that's a side dish. That's like the little free coleslaw that comes with your meal. I mean, the lease situation is a little bit of a disaster right now. So, uh, John Angeles, you want to you want to get things right with Orioles fans. Figure that out, man. All right. That's it for today. <laughs> My thanks to Glenn Clark. Jesse, Bruce, Sarah, Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.